everyone, and welcome to Genocide News Now, a news update from the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast. I am your host, Gevorg Novshadian, and you can find us at www.lemkininstitute.com, as well as on Patreon, Spotify, and iTunes. Before we dive in, the Lemkin Institute would like to wish all women of the world a happy Women's History Month. The Lemkin Institute notes the key role women have played, currently play, and will continue to play in the future in resolving international disputes and putting in place legal mechanisms to promote genocide prevention through grassroots activism and education. A special shout out to all the wonderful women of the Lemkin Institute team who work every day to provide a voice for underrepresented communities worldwide who have nobody else to speak for them. Now, let's move on to the news. All the news and action items mentioned in the podcast are available on our website. We start with Israel's new government, which is an alliance between Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's conservative Likud party, two Orthodox Jewish parties, and Itamar Ben-Gvir's religious Zionism party. This is the most right-wing government in Israel's history, and Mr. Ben-Gvir, the national security minister, is quite a controversial figure, even by the standards of the Israeli right. Mr. Ben-Gvir's policies towards Palestinians in East Jerusalem and promotion of settlements in Palestinian territories have heightened tensions since the new government took office. Israel has seen several instances of violence since the beginning of the year, Israeli forces raided the city of Jenin in the West Bank, resulting in the death of a 14-year-old boy. This was followed by a terrorist attack on a synagogue in East Jerusalem, killing seven people, which prompted Israel to arrest 42 Palestinians in connection with the attacks. Israel's new government continues to demolish homes in East Jerusalem. Mr. Ben-Gavir's party views all Palestinian settlements in East Jerusalem as illegal and has vowed to continue the demolitions throughout the holy month of Ramadan. This is despite warnings from Israeli security agency officials that the demolitions could cause unnecessary bloodshed. The Lemkin Institute has issued a red flag alert for Israel following raids in Nablus and Huwara in late February. The Lemkin Institute notes the rising tide of violence carried out by Israel's new government and implores the international community to pressure the Netanyahu administration to clamp down on the recklessness of Israel's security forces and attacks by Israeli settlers against Palestinian civilians. We turn to the ongoing violence against the Amara in Ethiopia, but first a quick update on the peace agreement signed between the Ethiopian government, the Eritrean government, and the TPLF in fall 2022. Eritrean forces remain in Ethiopia three months after the signing of a peace treaty that called for their withdrawal. Ethiopia and Tigray signed the treaty to end the two-year-long war against Tigrayan rebels. Eritrea was not a party to the treaty and its forces have stayed in Tigray. They have been accused by local residents and rights groups of widespread abuses, including killings and rapes, allegations which Eritrean officials have denied. Turning to the ongoing violence against the Amara people, 
The Lemkin Institute released a statement in which it said it was alarmed by the ongoing massacres of ethnic Amara men, women, and children in the Oromir region of Ethiopia, as well as in the neighboring regions of Afar, Amara, and Benishangul Gumuz, which are being overlooked by the international community. The massacres are ongoing even as the country implements the November 2nd, 2022 agreement between Tigrayan rebels and the Ethiopian government, and the ongoing violence in the Oromir region threatens to ignite a new civil war in the country. Recently, the Oromia Special Forces under the command of the Oromia Regional Government and the Oromo Liberation Armies have formed a strategic alliance in order, it appears, to forcibly displace all Amara from the Oromia region through massacres, the burning of their homes, commission of sexualized violence, and other well-known forms of terrorization associated with genocide. According to organizations closely monitoring the killings and other human rights abuses against the Amara, at least 1,566 Amhara people were killed and 239 were injured in the Oromia region in 2022. Evidence shows that all Oromia armed forces are conducting what appears to be a systematic policy of erasing the Amhara presence in the East Wolega and Hora Guduru Wolega zones by killing ethnic Amhara, looting their property, spreading terror among the local population, and forcing their displacement to other regions of Ethiopia. Thus, despite the signature of the peace agreement on November 22, 2022, that sought to bring an end to the war in Tigray, Eritrean forces remain in Tigray and ethnic violence against Amara demonstrates no sign of abating, which in itself represents a critical predictor of future atrocity and crimes. The Ethiopian government has proven itself to be ineffective in stemming this violence and at times appears to support it. Next up, the German Federal Court of Justice confirmed the conviction of Daesh member Taha A.G. for genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes committed against Yazidi victims in Fallujah, Iraq. In 2015, Taha A.J. purchased and enslaved a five-year-old Yazidi girl named Rita and her mother. Taha and his wife held Rita and her mother as captives at their residence in Fallujah and forced them to practice Islam, work as slaves, and deprive them of sufficient food. Taha would beat them and subject them to abuse. Rita died after Taha tied her with a cable outdoors to the bars of the window and left her in the heat of up to 51 degrees Celsius as a punishment for wetting the bed and a measure to discipline the girl. The Federal Court of Justice confirmed that the defendant's actions, which caused serious harm to Rita and her mother, in conjunction with similar actions by other Daesh members, were capable of destroying the Kurdish religious group of the Yazidi faith. It further added that it was precisely the organized enslavement of women and girls, especially in connection with religious re-education, that served to destroy the Yazidi religious minority in order to establish an Islamic caliphate. The genocide conviction and life sentence were affirmed on appeal, and no further appeal is possible. Staying in Germany, 
There is a new claim against Myanmar for genocide and crimes against humanity against the Rohingya people. Sixteen survivors and witnesses of military abuses joined NGO Fortify Rights to file a criminal complaint with the Federal Public Prosecutor General of Germany under the principle of universal jurisdiction, which allows the prosecution of mass atrocities in one country, even if they happen elsewhere. Senior Myanmar military figures are accused of genocide, war crimes, and crimes against humanity, according to Fortify Rights. The complaint also requests that the German authorities open a structural investigation into the situation in Myanmar, which could lead to the documentation of further allegations not covered by the complaint. Activists say the complaint filed in Germany is unique because of the diverse range of ethnicities represented and because it seeks accountability both for the military's brutal crackdown against Rohingya in Rakhine State in 2016 and 2017 and for alleged crimes perpetrated by the military in other regions across the country after it ousted the democratically elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi in 2021. The complainants range from students and scholars to farmers, human rights defenders, business people, former village heads, and homemakers. They represent several ethnicities, including Arakanese, Bamar, Chin, Karen, Kareni, Mon, and Rohingya, according to Fortify Rights. The group's director, John Quinley III, said that this type of ethnic unity would have been totally unthinkable before the coup. According to the group, the complaint alleges that some members of the Myanmar military systematically killed, raped, tortured, imprisoned, disappeared, persecuted, and committed other acts than amount to genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. It includes substantial evidence indicating that some military figures knew about their subordinates' actions but did not attempt to stop them or to punish perpetrators of such crimes. There is a similar lawsuit in Namibia where representatives of the Herero and Nama groups have filed a lawsuit against Namibia's government related to its agreement with Germany. The agreement recognized Germany's responsibility for the Herero and Nama genocides and pledged to finance development projects in the Herero and Nama territories with 1.1 billion euros over 30 years, but fell short of recognizing the individual claims of the Herero and Nama who lost everything during the genocide. The groups are represented by Patrick Kauta, who is one of Namibia's top lawyers. These representatives claim that the agreement with Germany is illegal because descendants are not directly compensated. The agreement yet to be signed by Namibia has been on the table since 2021. The case centers on two main claims. First, that the Namibian parliamentary speaker acted illegally when he broke off public debate over the agreement. And second, that the agreement to settle all financial aspects of the German colonial period in Namibia with the 1.1 billion euros in developmental aid is illegal as well. The Namibian government is likely to reject the plaintiff's position. When Kauta's team wrote to the Attorney General in September 2022 
about their view that the agreement was illegal, the response they got a few days later said, There is no substance in such assertions, and accused them of lacking knowledge of the Namibian constitution and the powers of the president and the government. According to news magazine Der Spiegel, Berlin has offered to pay the promised 1.1 billion euros in fewer than 30 years, but it has also insisted that the joint declaration will at most be supplemented, not renegotiated. The Namibian government, on the other hand, wants official reparations and more money. Finally, we turn to Brazil, where new president Lula da Silva accused his predecessor, Bolsonaro, of genocide and opened an investigation against Bolsonaro for his mistreatment of the Yanomami people. Lula's justice minister, Flavio Dino, said he would order a federal police investigation into strong indications the Yanomami had suffered crimes including genocide. Horrifying photographs of emaciated Yanomami children and adults emerged on the eve of Lula's trip, laying bare the scale of the health crisis facing the territory's estimated 30,000 indigenous inhabitants. Lula, who became president on the 1st of January, blamed his far-right predecessor for forsaking indigenous communities and emboldening the thousands of wildcat miners who flooded the Portugal-sized Yanomami enclave during Bolsonaro's 2019-2022 to government. That is all we have for this episode of Genocide News Now, but be sure to tune in to future episodes and stay up to date on global news. Visit our website at www.lemkeninstitute.com for more on our work in the field of genocide prevention. If you would like to take action and make an individual difference, take a look at our list of resources on our Take Action page on our website. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening. Thank you.